Welcome back to the Jamil Gabriel Show. I'm your host, Jamil Gabriel. So, um, Trump leaves tomorrow at noon, and he sent a very farewell message. So, this podcast is going to be a little bit different than what usually um, what it usually entails. So, um, I wanted to commemorate to Donald J. Trump on all you know what he did for this country, and um, I hope to see him in 2024. And I really mean that. Um, when I he first started. I hated him because I thought he was the establishment. I mean, he clearly says it in one of the debates that he is the establishment. But the more and more he did, you know, like improve the economy and all this other stuff, I actually started to grow. He started to grow on me like a fungus. So I I wanted to talk about all of Trump's accomplishments. So this is going to be a very long podcast because I'm going to read it directly from WhiteHouse.gov. So I'm going to read all his accomplishments, and I may tune in here and there to talk about, you know, different things. And then the later part of this podcast, I'm going to talk about what the Biden blitz is, what his plan is in the first 10 days of office. And a lot of people aren't going to like it because I don't like it. It actually infuriated me. He pretty much is selling his executive orders that he has lined up on the desk that are going to be signed tomorrow. Pretty much uh, ruined this country. I mean... He makes his buddies and himself millionaires, possibly billionaires. But to American people, it screws us over tenfold. I mean, it's it's bad, guys. It is, it is really, really bad. And I'm also going to talk about what's going to end up happening to the Jamil Gabriel show. Because uh, for an entire year, or almost a year, I set out to... Um, I started talking about the election and... Um, you know, the election is over and Joe Biden is winning. So we're going to talk about what, what's going to happen to the show. Anyway, stay tuned. So the first, I wanted to bring up um, Donald Trump's uh, farewell address. Okay, I think it, 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 it made me tear up because it's just really that good. So please forgive me for the audio. I'm just going to hold up a speaker to it because apparently I can't, like, take his videos or something. I, I don't know. Okay, so... I'm just going to put it up, and hopefully you could hear perfectly fine, okay? So here it goes. Fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. I'd like to begin by thanking just a few of the amazing people who made our remarkable journey possible. First, let me express my overwhelming gratitude for the love and support of our spectacular First Lady, Melania. Let me also share my deepest appreciation to my daughter, Ivanka, my son-in-law, Jared, and to Baron, Don, Eric, Tiffany, and Lara, you fill my world with light and with joy. 
I also want to thank Vice President Mike Pence, his wonderful wife, Karen, and the entire Pence family. Thank you as well to my Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, the dedicated members of the White House staff, and the Cabinet, and all of the incredible people across our administration who poured out their heart and soul to fight for America. I also want to take a moment to thank a truly exceptional group of people, the United States Secret Service. My family and I will forever be in your debt. My profound gratitude as well to everyone in the White House military office, the teams of Marine One and Air Force One, every member of the armed forces, and state and local law enforcement all across our country. Most of all, I want to thank the American people. To serve as your president has been an honor beyond description. Thank you for this extraordinary privilege. And that's what it is, a great privilege and a great honor. We must never forget that while Americans will always have our disagreements, we are a nation of incredible, decent, faithful, and peace-loving citizens who all want our country to thrive and flourish and be very, very successful and good. We are a truly magnificent nation. All Americans were horrified by the assault on our capital. Political violence is an attack on everything we cherish as Americans. It can never be tolerated. Now, more than ever, we must unify around our shared values and rise above the partisan rancor and forge our common destiny. Four years ago, I came to Washington as the only true outsider ever to win the presidency. I had not spent my career as a politician, but as a builder looking at open skylines and imagining infinite possibilities. I ran for president because I knew there were towering new summits for America just waiting to be scaled. I knew the potential for our nation was boundless as long as we put America first. So I left behind my former life and stepped into a very difficult arena, but an arena nevertheless with all sorts of potential, if properly done. America had given me so much, and I wanted to give something back. Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close. We passed the largest package of tax cuts and reforms in American history. We slashed more job-killing regulations than any administration had ever done before. We fixed our broken trade deals, withdrew from the horrible Trans-Pacific Partnership and the impossible Paris Climate Accord, renegotiated the one-sided South Korea deal, and we replaced NAFTA with the groundbreaking USMCA. That's Mexico and Canada, a deal that's worked out very, very well. Also, and very importantly, we imposed historic and monumental tariffs on China, made a great new deal with China, 
But before the ink was even dry, we and the whole world got hit with the China virus. Our trade relationship was rapidly changing. Billions and billions of dollars were pouring into the U.S., but the virus forced us to go in a different direction. The whole world suffered, but America outperformed other countries economically because of our incredible economy and the economy that we built. Without the foundations and footings, it wouldn't have worked out this way. We wouldn't have some of the best numbers we've ever had. We also unlocked our energy resources and became the world's number one producer of oil and natural gas, by far. Powered by these policies, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We reignited America's job creation and achieved record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women, almost everyone. Income soared, wages boomed, the American dream was restored, and millions were lifted from poverty in just a few short years. It was a miracle. Stock markets set one record after another, with 148 stock market highs during this short period of time, and boosted the retirements and pensions of hardworking citizens all across our nation. 401ks are at a level they've never been at before. We've never seen numbers like we've seen, and that's before the pandemic and after the pandemic. We rebuilt the American manufacturing base, opened up thousands of new factories, and brought back the beautiful phrase, made in the USA. To make life better for working families, we doubled the child tax credit and signed the largest ever expansion of funding for child care and development. We joined with the private sector to secure commitments to train more than 16 million American workers for the jobs of tomorrow. When our nation was hit with the terrible pandemic, we produced not one, but two vaccines with record-breaking speed, and more will quickly follow. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. They called it a medical miracle, and that's what they're calling it right now, a medical miracle. Another administration would have taken three, four, five, maybe even up to 10 years to develop a vaccine, we did it in nine months. We grieve for every life lost, and we pledge in their memory to wipe out this horrible pandemic once and for all. When the virus took its brutal toll on the world's economy, we launched the fastest economic recovery our country has ever seen. We passed nearly $4 trillion in economic relief, saved or supported over 50 million jobs, and slashed the unemployment rate in half. These are numbers that our country has never seen before. We created choice and transparency in healthcare, stood up to Big Pharma in so many ways, but especially in our effort to get favored nations clauses added, which will give us the lowest prescription drug prices anywhere in the world. We passed VA choice, VA accountability, right to try, and landmark criminal justice reform. We confirmed three new justices of the United States Supreme Court. We appointed near. Okay, really quickly, I wanted to talk about that right to try. Um, I think that's unbelievable. Um, the right to try is pretty much if you are terminally ill 
and uh, you're going to die. Um, you're allowed to just try out medications. Like, say you have terminal cancer, okay? If you have terminal cancer, um, or you have cancer that makes you terminally ill, then you're allowed to, you know, and you hear about this newfangled uh, approach to killing cancer. We're using stem cell research and all that other stuff. You are allowed to do that now. Like, you don't have to have your insurance doesn't have to sign off or anything. You're completely allowed to go there and try out this stem cell. And, you know, um, even if it's not FDA approved, and I think that's a great thing because if you're going to die, you're going to die, right? Like, what other choices do you have? It's not, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter at this point. I mean, most, a lot of people are just like, well, I just want to end this pain and all this other stuff. Or some people are like, I really want to live. And, you know, so you have a right to try now. And I think that's really cool. 300 federal judges to interpret our Constitution as written. For years, the American people pleaded with Washington to finally secure the nation's borders. I am pleased to say we answered that plea and achieved the most secure border in U.S. history. We have given our brave border agents and heroic ICE officers the tools they need to do their jobs better than they have ever done before and to enforce our laws and keep America safe. We proudly leave the next administration with the strongest and most robust border security measures ever put into place. This includes historic agreements with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, along with more than 450 miles of powerful new wall. We restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. We reclaimed our sovereignty by standing up for America at the United Nations and withdrawing from the one-sided global deals that never served our interest. And NATO countries are now paying hundreds of billions of dollars more than when I arrived just a few years ago. It was very unfair. We were paying the cost for the world. Now the world is helping us. And perhaps most importantly of all, with nearly $3 trillion, we fully rebuilt the American military, all made in the USA. We launched the first new branch of the United States Armed Forces in 75 years, the Space Force. And last spring, I stood at Kennedy Space Center in Florida and watched as American astronauts returned to space on American rockets for the first time in many, many years. We revitalized our alliances and rallied the nations of the world to stand up to China like never before. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and ended the wretched life of its founder and leader, al-Baghdadi. We stood up to the oppressive Iranian regime and killed the world's top terrorist, Iranian butcher Qasem Soleimani. We recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. As a result of our bold diplomacy and principled realism, we achieved a series of historic peace deals in the Middle East. Nobody believed it could happen. The Abraham Accords opened the doors to a future of peace and harmony, not violence and bloodshed. It is the dawn of a new Middle East, and we are bringing our soldiers home. I am especially proud to be the first president in decades who has started no new wars. 
Above all, we have reasserted the sacred idea that in America, the government answers to the people. Our guiding light, our North Star, our unwavering conviction has been that we are here to serve the noble, everyday citizens of America. Our allegiance is not to the special interests, corporations, or global entities. It's to our children, our citizens, and to our nation itself. As President, my top priority, my constant concern, has always been the best interests of American workers and American families. I did not seek the easiest course. By far, it was actually the most difficult. I did not seek the path that would get the least criticism. I took on the tough battles, the hardest fights, the most difficult choices, because that's what you elected me to do. Your needs were my first and last unyielding focus. This, I hope, will be our greatest legacy. Together, we put the American people back in charge of our country. We restored self-government. We restored the idea that in America, no one is forgotten because everyone matters and everyone has a voice. We fought for the principle that every citizen is entitled to equal dignity, equal treatment, and equal rights, because we are all made equal by God. Everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, to have their voice heard, and to have their government listen. You are loyal to your country, and my administration was always loyal to you. We worked to build a country in which every citizen could find a great job and support their wonderful families. We fought for the communities where every American could be safe and schools where every child could learn. We promoted a culture where our laws would be upheld, our heroes honored, our history preserved, and law-abiding citizens are never taken for granted. Americans should take tremendous satisfaction in all that we have achieved together. It's incredible. Now, as I leave the White House, I have been reflecting on the dangers that threaten the priceless inheritance we all share. As the world's most powerful nation, America faces constant threats and challenges from abroad. But the greatest danger we face is a loss of confidence in ourselves, a loss of confidence in our national greatness. A nation is only as strong as its spirit. We are only as dynamic as our pride. We are only as vibrant as the faith that beats in the hearts of our people. No nation can long thrive that loses faith in its own values, history, and heroes, for these are the very sources of our unity and our vitality. What has always allowed America to prevail and triumph over the great challenges of the past has been an unyielding and unashamed conviction in the nobility of our country and its unique purpose in history. We must never lose this conviction. We must never forsake our belief in America. The key to national greatness lies in sustaining and instilling our shared national identity. That means focusing on what we have in common, the heritage that we all share. At the center of this heritage is also a robust belief in free expression, free speech, and open debate. Only if we forget who we are and how we got here could we ever allow political censorship and blacklisting to take place in America. It's not even thinkable. Shutting down free and open debate violates our core values and most enduring traditions.
In America, we don't insist on absolute conformity or enforce rigid orthodoxies and punitive speech codes. We just don't do that. America is not a timid nation of tame souls who need to be sheltered and protected from those with whom we disagree. That's not who we are. It will never be who we are. For nearly 250 years, in the face of every challenge, Americans have always summoned our unmatched courage, confidence, and fierce independence. These are the miraculous traits that once led millions of everyday citizens to set out across a wild continent and carve out a new life in the Great West. It was the same profound love of our God-given freedom that willed our soldiers into battle and our astronauts into space. As I think back on the past four years, one image rises in my mind above all others. Whenever I traveled all along the motorcade route, there were thousands and thousands of people. They came out with their families so that they could stand as we passed and proudly wave our great American flag. It never failed to deeply move me. I knew that they did not just come out to show their support of me. They came out to show me their support and love for our country. This is a republic of proud citizens who are united by our common conviction that America is the greatest nation in all of history. We are and must always be a land of hope, of light, and of glory to all the world. This is the precious inheritance that we must safeguard at every single turn. For the past four years, I have worked to do just that. From a great hall of Muslim leaders in Riyadh to a great square of Polish people in Warsaw, from the floor of the Korean Assembly to the podium at the United Nations General Assembly, and from the Forbidden City in Beijing to the shadow of Mount Rushmore, I fought for you, I fought for your family, I fought for our country. Above all, I fought for America and all it stands for. And that is safe, strong, proud, and free. Now, as I prepare to hand power over to a new administration at noon on Wednesday, I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. There's never been anything like it. The belief that a nation must serve its citizens will not dwindle, but instead only grow stronger by the day. As long as the American people hold in their hearts deep and devoted love of country, then there is nothing that this nation cannot achieve. Our communities will flourish. Our people will be prosperous. Our traditions will be cherished. Our faith will be strong. And our future will be brighter than ever before. I go from this majestic place with a loyal and joyful heart, an optimistic spirit, and a supreme confidence that for our country and for our children, the best is yet to come. Thank you and farewell. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Well, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, really, dude's a pretty good orator. I mean, at times, I can't really argue the fact that he does say stupid things at times. Um, so right now, I'm going to share uh, – I mean, this is a long list, guys. So I'm going to try to, like, find different things that 
he did that I think was really good because this list is like a hundred freaking pages. Okay. And I just, I don't have like, you know, five hours to read this. I, I implore you guys go to whitehouse.gov and look up Trump's, uh, Trump's Trump administration accomplishments. And, um, so, okay. First, um, America gained 7 million new jobs, more than three times the government's experts' projection. That is 100% true. Um, like I said, what was it? Uh, Obama said that it was the best like it was ever going to be, and they laughed at him. They balked at his uh, idea of creating that many new jobs. Middle-class family income in increased nearly 6,000, more than five times the gains during the entire previous administration. I love that they're just still shooting, you know, Obama down. The un unemployment rate reached 3.5%, the lowest in half a century. Um, actually, it was lower, or it was around that during the Roaring Twenties. You know, the Roaring Twenties when Detroit was considered the Paris of the West. So, um, achieved 40 months in a row with more job openings than job hirings. I mean, that that's impressive. Like, so more Americans reported being employed than ever before. Nearly 160 million. That is half the country. Now, if you take into account, you know, there's minorities, there's kids, um, 160 million. And I think the population in the census was 330 million. So that's almost half. And, Let's give or take that, you know, each family, even though it's not true, each family has two kids per household. I mean, yeah. And those kids can't work, obviously. I mean, this isn't Victorian era England. So that is insane. Okay. Jobless claims hit a nearly 50-year low. The number of people claiming unemployment insurance as a share of the population hit its lowest on record. Income Incomes rose in every single metro area in the United States for the first time in nearly three decades. Unemployment rates for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Native Americans, veterans, individuals with disabilities, and those without a high school diploma all reached record lows. And that is important because that's what the American dream is, where you don't have to go to school and you can still make a living and be part of the middle um middle wage or the middle class um unemployment for women hits at its lowest rate in nearly 70 years now i don't think that's going to be because of trump i really think that's just how the nature of things go i mean it's only been how many years like probably 50 years since women even got the right to vote so i mean for a while it was you know women weren't allowed to well they were but it was like taboo so you know women stayed at home and men did the work. So, I mean, I think it was just going to naturally progress into this. Lifted nearly 7 million people off of food stamps. Poverty rates for African Americans and Hispanic Americans reached record lows. Income inequality fell for two straight years and by the largest amount in over a decade. The bottom 50% of American households saw a 40% increase in net worth. Wage, and that, that is true. If you try to buy a house in Colorado... Good luck. You're going to need about half a million dollars in Colorado Springs anyway. I mean, it's just grown exponentially. Okay. And for about 10 years, I mean, $360,000 house will buy you like a really good, you know, home. 
I mean, my parents' house was like 220000 is what they paid for. And that was 20 years ago. So now uh, I've heard people saying that they need $400,000 to, you know, get a decent-sized house. So this was true. Um, wages rose fastest for low-income and blue-collar workers, a 16% pay increase. African American home ownership increased from 41.7% to 46.4. Uh created more than 1.2 million manufacturing and construction jobs. Put in place policy to bring back supply chains from overseas. And you know that's what I like. I I want more of these companies. I want these companies to come here. I mean, it's kind of funny that Toyota is the most American made car in America. I mean, that's I mean, they make them in Arizona and I think South Carolina. So I think Ford moved back. I mean, there's just a lot of manufacturing jobs that came back. And, you know, that means that people could be in the middle class. Small business optimism broke a 35-year-old record in two, uh, in 2018. Hit record stock market numbers and re record 401ks. The Dow closed above 20,000 for the first time in 2017 and topped 30,000 in 2020. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ have repeatedly notched record heights. Signed an executive order on modernizing and regulatory framework for agricultural biotechnology products, <clears throat> which is bringing innovative new technologies to market in American farming and agriculture. Strengthen America's rural economy by investing over $1.3 through the Agriculture Department Reconnect Program to bring high-speed broadband infrastructure to rural America. In October 2020, Gallup survey found 56% of Americans said they were better off during a pandemic than four years prior. So even during a pandemic, after is, they, people were better off than when Obama was uh, president. During the third quarter of 2020, the economy grew at a rate of 33.1%. And I talked about this in my previous podcast. The most rapid, rapid GDP growth ever recorded. Since coronavirus lockdowns ended, the economy has added and added back over 12 million jobs, more than half the jobs lost. Jobs have been recovered 23 times faster than the previous administration's recovery. And, you know, this is all true. Unemployment fell to 6.7% in December from a peak of 14.7% in April, beating expectations of well over 10% unemployment through the end of 2020. Under the previous administration, it took 49 months for the unemployment rate to fall from 10% to under 7% compared to three months for the Trump administration. Uh, this is this is just great stuff, guys. Since April, the Hispanic unemployment rate has fallen 9.6%, Asian American unemployment by 8.6%, and Black American unemployment by 6.8%. 80% of small businesses are now open, up just from 53% in April. Small business confidence hit a new high. Home builder confidence reached an all-time high, and home sales hit their highest record since December 2006. Manufacturing optimism nearly doubled. Household net worth rose $7.4 trillion in all-time high. Home prices hit an all-time record high. The United States rejected crippling lockdowns that crushed the economy and inflict countless public health harms and instead safely reopened its economy. Business confidence in higher in America than in any G7 or European Union country. 
stabilized America's financial markets with the establishment of a number of Treasury Department-supported facilities at the Federal Reserve. Uh, passed $3.2 trillion in historic tax relief and reformed the tax code, which was like an average, I think, like $2,500 per American, which Nancy Pelosi said that was, you know, abysmal. That was pathetic. So, yeah, you know what's pathetic is $600. Signed the Tax Cut and Job Act, the largest tax reform package in history. More than 6 million American workers receive wage increases, bonus, and increased benefits thanks to the tax cuts. A typical of family earning $75,000 receive an income tax cut more than $2,000, slashing their tax bill in half. Double the standard deduction, making the first $24,000 earned by a married couple completely tax-free. Double the child tax credit. Virtually eliminate the unfair estate tax or death tax. Which is insane. It, when you die, your family has to pay a tax for it. it I, I don't understand that concept. Okay? When you die, I think all debt should be forgiven. I mean, I don't think... Well, taxes, debts to the government should be forgiven. Because that's just ridiculous. What are you going to take, all right? From dead bodies? They're dead. Congratulations. They're freaking dead. I, I don't think they're going to file any taxes anytime soon. Maybe they'll vote for Joe Biden. I believe that, but I don't believe they're filing taxes. <sighs> okay. Um, cut the business tax rate from 35%, the highest in developer, developed world, all the way down to 21%, which Joe Biden now wants to do 52%. Small businesses can now deduct 20% of their business income. Businesses can now deduct 100% of the cost of the capital investment in the year the investment is made. Since the passage of tax cuts, the share of total wealth held by the bottom half of household has increased, while the share held by the top 1% has decreased. Over 400 companies have announced bonuses, wage increases, new hires, or new investments in the United States. Over $1.5 trillion was repatriated into the United States from overseas. Lower investment costs and higher cap uh, capital returns led to the fastest growth in middle class real wages and international competitiveness. Jobs and investment are pouring into opportunity zones, created nearly 9,000 opportunity zones. And I'm on the second page, guys. This is just incredible on all the things he has done. So... I know I'm sounding like, you know, I'm all for Trump. And look, I did hate the guy when I saw him. I mean, I thought he was better than Hillary. I mean, come on, Hillary Clinton, Hillary, you know, I'm going to screw the Haitians over Hillary, that that Hillary. So um, now I mean, I, guys just go on the whitehouse.gov slash Trump accomplishments and Trump administration accomplishments and just take a look. I mean, all the stuff in there is good <laughs> or rather it's good in the sense that it has increased confidence in the American people. Um, some of the policies that I know he did, I'm not really fa uh, fond of. I don't like them, but the end result was pretty decent. Okay. And uh, you heard, you heard the man. I mean, this, th he did an amazing thing. And um, to Donald Trump, I salute you. I salute, I salute you, and I really do hope you run back in 2024. I hope that 
you know, I hope that we uh, we get rid of the stupid mail-in voting where they could cheat and have dead people vote. I hope that that uh, changes in 2022, and uh, hopefully we are the Republicans, uh, you know, primary other the establishment rhinos and uh, take over again. And, you know, that's going to be the legislation we're going to be passing. So I, I hope that happens. And if that happens, I would love to see more great things happen. Um, if you don't feel like decide to run, then, uh, you know, I hope the one you choose, because I know he's probably going to choose someone very important um, to run. And I think that that's going to be a great choice. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about. Joe Biden now. Okay, so this is a complete disaster on some of the things that he wants to do. So he plans to do a 10-day blitz of signing executive orders. He's already stated that he wants to get rid of everything Trump has done. All that stuff he wants to get rid of. He wants to sign executive orders to get rid of that. So um, uh, so I'm going to explain a couple executive orders that he plans to sign. More on the foreign policy so one, he plans to give amnesty to 20 million illegal um, immigrants. 20 million people are going to be United States citizens without taking the test. Um, or not 20,000, 20 million. 20 million people. I didn't even think there was that many. So I think there's only 11 million uh, undocumented Im immigrants or rather foreign nationals. I think there's only 11 million and he wants to add 10 more million to that or 9 million to that. So, and this has happened. There was a migration in a caravan that was headed to here and border patrol said, not yet. They didn't say, you know, go away. They said, not yet. So 20 million people are going to do it. And you know why? Because these big corporations, they want cheap labor. Why do you think that China has a lot of billionaires? Because they're exploiting it. Chinese workers are getting like 50 cents and then they sell it for cheap here. And it's like a 10,000% profit. I mean, it's just crazy. They, they, they make the iPhone for five bucks and then sell it for $800. That, that is insane. And that's just cash. I mean, you could do the whole whatever. So... He plans to do that. Um, the next thing, he wants to go back into the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, if I talked about this in like my early podcast. The Iran nuclear deal is just so incredibly stupid. So pretty much what Obama did was give Iran billions of dollars and say, okay, if I give you billions of dollars, then you are not allowed to, you're not allowed to create nuclear weapons. Okay, and I trust you. Okay, I trust you guys that you're not going to make nuclear weapons. He wants to go back into that. He wants to just give Iran billions of dollars and then so and then be like, "Hey, Iran, don't make nuclear weapons anymore." Uh, isn't Iran the same people that when we killed some Soleimani? Isn't he, they the same ones that say we swear vengeance on the United States? We swear vengeance on Donald Trump. And you want to give them money? You want to give them money in hopes, in hopes that they don't create nuclear weapons. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We are the United States. I mean, like, look, we, we even just did a hunch on Saddam Hussein. We completely took him out of power. 
And yet you're going to be like, uh, well, I'm just going to give you guys a couple billion dollars of taxpayer money. And then um, please don't don't do it. So he wants to go back into it. He wants to reestablish. And these are actually on WhiteHouse.gov. You could actually read this. These are executive orders that you can actually start reading. They're going to be on his desk within the next 10 days. Um, the other one, he wants to sign back up uh, to the Paris Accord, the Climate Accord. Um, pretty much what that means is we give billions of dollars to help um, other countries get rid of their emissions. That, that's pretty much what it is. Um, he wants to tear down the, uh, not the, is it the Keystone pipeline? It's a pipeline that goes from Canada to the United States. And it, it's, it, what it does is pretty much makes us independent on foreign oils. So that's why this Trump's administration is the first president or the first administration that has not used foreign oil or hasn't been dependent on foreign oil because we've been using natural gas and uh, fracking well joe biden wants to get rid of that he wants to use that saudi oil that's why let's let's be let's do brass tacks here he wants that saudi oil which is why um he wants to shut it down and now he's going to say it's going to be for the economy but the the truth is is that natural gas is cleaner than um than coal and what is it? And fracking has uh, less consequences than mining or drilling for oil. So it's like a win-win. I mean, I, I don't like using oil. I'd rather, you know, go the Tesla route and try to use the sun's energy. I mean, the sun produces enough energy in one minute to power us for an entire year, the whole planet for an entire year. So I would rather, you know, use solar panels or wind pa panels or, you know, water there's a lot of other alternatives, but unfortunately, the technology isn't there right now. But yeah, he, he plans to get rid of it so that way we don't use uh, national uh, or our own oil and gas. We have the largest oil reserve in the world. America does. Now, there's a speculation that Brazil actually now has the most oil, but we do. It's America right now. And he plans to get out of it so we could use Saudi oil. That's pretty much what it is. Saudi's giving him a lot of money and he wants to use that Saudi oil. So there, there's that. Um, there's a lot of bills where he, uh, he helps out China. He allows China to create more businesses here. So this dude has literally sold America's soul, his soul to uh, the world. Okay. It's not even close to like, well, this is going to be here. No, they sold this soul. And that's why gas prices are going up. Have you noticed that? Throughout the entire Trump administration, what did gas hit? Like 250 was the max. I was living in Chicago when Obama's first term, gas was $5. And it remained at $3.60 for the entire term. I thought 360 was good. I thought $3.60 was freaking amazing. Well, here comes Trump, $2.20, $2. I mean, that's that's great. Okay. Anyway, that's just some of his executive orders. And you can all read this stuff. If you don't believe me, you can all read it. Anyway, now what is going to happen to the Jamil Gabriel show? So I started the show out 
um, about a year ago during, you know, the election. I, I just talk a lot. I, I talk a lot. And sorry, excuse me. Um, I talk a lot and I wanted this show to become um, more than just politics because you have Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, all these guys. I wanted this show to be more than politics, but I know a lot about politics. I know a lot about history. And so I just started talking about politics and I started talking about what was going on in my mind. Well, come to find out, a lot of people started liking it, you know, and I tried to venture out and talk about other things because that's what I wanted the show to be. I wanted to talk about, you know, my hobbies and all this other stuff, but it started to become more of a, just a political, political channel. And so I gave the fans what they like. Um, it became political and, um, I've enjoyed it throughout the entire year. I've enjoyed just doing research on C-SPAN and like watching YouTube videos and, uh, all that stuff about, you know, what bills are passed. I go, I mean, all the stuff that I talk about, I can usually reference back. And although I don't have a script, I usually am able to reference back to what it is because I go to like Senate.gov, you know, Congress.gov, Whitehouse.gov, all these websites that are, you know, government approved and it shows me the bill. So that's why I'm like HR 157 dash whatever. That's going to be on the house floor because I just go back to it. And then I just watch C-SPAN to, you know, see what is going on and how crazy Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are, how Nancy or how crazy the Republicans are and how much of cowards they are. So that was essentially how this channel started. And if you think I'm going anywhere anytime soon, you have another thing coming because I want to keep growing this channel. I'm going to keep talking about politics. Um, I I guarantee you there's going to be a lot, a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of things Joe Biden's going to be doing that's going to infuriate me and to share my, you know, frustration with the government. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to still make podcasts probably, you know, to my 10 listeners and Keep doing that. Give you guys the information that I know. And I will see you in the next one. I'm Jamil Gabriel, and I'm signing off.